Wow, we got a lot going on around here today. Hold on a second. Just got to admire it while I can here. Brand new. I don't know what happened to the old uh, welcome, uh, all the signature thing. You know, that thing ought to be put in a museum somewhere. For, but uh, wow, this is nice. To admit, I like that. No, it's got a shelf though. I could put that right there. Well, today's a great day. Uh, you know, of course, we have the uh, the car show. And uh, I have to admit, I'm not much of a car person. That doesn't mean I don't like cars. I love cars. and They fascinate me and really cool muscle cars. I like that. But I really don't know a whole lot about them other than, you know, where the gas goes and maybe get the oil changed. You used to be able to do that. And now they make it so you can't reach the oil filter anymore, so you almost have to take it. Anyways, uh, it's going to be neat to see all the cars out there today. Um, They've asked me to, you know, a pastor's award. I'm like, <laughs> okay, it'll probably be the coolest looking car. I all the car people will probably be like, well, you like that car. Well, what's about that car? Reminds me of my youth, I guess. I don't know. Although I had a really, my dad had a really nice uh, Pontiac Firebird, 72 Firebird, and that was my car, man. I drove that thing around. It looked great and all, but... Man, it had some problems with it that were under the hood and underneath. I remember one time my friends and I went out and and my friend and his girlfriend were in the back seat and it was pouring down rain and we're driving along and the rain is just coming down and somehow water was seeping up through the, the, the back floorboards there. They got their feet up and they're like, ah! And there's like this much water floating around in the back. And, you know, I'm just like, Whatever. The thing I really like about the car show is that it goes to benefit our youth. And uh, we've been talking about the family here a little bit lately, and I want to continue that trend here today a little bit. Uh, I know we have people who don't have kids yet, those who have children now, those who have had them and raised them up, and out the door they go, and now they got grandkids. So we all have experience working with children and dealing with kids. And there's an interesting uh, verse in the Bible that's well known among most Christians, the idea of train them up in the way that they should go, and when they're older, you know, then they won't depart from it. And, uh, you know, that's a great, great verse. But I want to look at that in a little bit more uh, context today and, and see what that verse might really be saying. When you think about kids, though, uh, you know, I think we can all identify with, you know, before kids and after kids. I know we definitely can at our house. Uh, I, I told my wife one day, you know, I can't even hardly remember before the kids came along. Just jump in the car and drive off. And, but now the kids are older now, and we can just kind of just go, and it's kind of neat to re-experience that. What else we got here? I want to thank Morgan for these cartoons today, by the way. Let's move ahead here. She uh, sent me this. Ah, yes. Have another one, they said. They'll have fun together, they said. Yes. I remember the day Cody was born. Uh, we were in the hospital, and Dustin wanted to meet his new baby brother and proceeded to shove cheese balls down his mouth before we, before we caught him. What are brothers for? What else we got here? 
Oh, you want to know what it's like having a fourth kid? Imagine you're drowning and somebody hands you a baby. Yes. People ask us all the time, why do you want to have four kids? And you know, well, we didn't want to have five. That's why. So, but what else? I've made that face, by the way, many times. When you realize it's Friday and then remember you're a parent, it doesn't matter. So. Some of my elementary uh, teachers can attest to that. Where's Karen at? Yep, she's out doing the car thing here. When I buy stuff for me, yes, when I buy stuff for the kids, just <laughs> peeling off them bills, here we go. Before kids, yes, after kids. You've never lived unless you've had you know, a toddler in between you, you know. We used to have nice furniture, nice coffee table, then it got toddlered. You, know, you can see, you can't have anything nice. Uh, when Summer asked, how was summer break with the kids? And you go, well, I made it, I'm alive. I mean, that's about... <laughs> kids are, you know, we like to make fun of kids sometimes, and we kind of chuckle some of the things we go through raising them up. But uh, today I want to talk about if we, uh, Proverbs 22.6. And I don't have a lot of scripture today, but I think this one it really is enough. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. A lot of times in the church, we, we, we look at this verse and we go, well, you should train them up in the Christian life and then when they're older, they'll, you know, they'll stay Christian and they'll, they'll, be a, they'll go with the church and we know a lot of times you can raise your kids up in the Christian faith, and as they get older, sometimes you know they'll drift a little bit, and they'll go here and they'll go there, and sometimes parents wonder, you know, what did I do wrong? Why didn't my kid, you know, why doesn't he come to church? Well, he's not interested at all in the church. Well, I read an article recently about this, this verse, and the author kind of puts a little different spin to it. And, she, and the author can do this because she looked at the sort of the Hebrew of the words, if we move ahead, in the way he should go. That's sort of the interesting part of the, the scripture for me. Train up a child in the way he or she should go. Now the Hebrew form used for that phrase, in, in the way he should go, actually means sort of his way or the path, or um, in some forms, the, a particular bent like a bow. You, you, you bend the bow a certain way, and you, you get, the, you know, you hunters would know what I'm talking about. The word is darak, which means to tread or to march, to bend, to aim the bow. Train up a child in the way that they're, that they're bent in the way that the kid is designed. Train them up in the way that, that special way in which God designed them. How has God designed your children, your grandchildren? We're not cookie cutters. We don't have a, a kid factory where they, we just pop them out. and you, you know, Every kid is special in the eyes of God. Every child is born with a certain personality, a certain set of skills. As he becomes a Christian, he's bestowed spiritual gifts 
All of these designed to glorify God, to bring honor to his family, to, to build up the church. Children aren't empty buckets just waiting to be filled up. They're not little lumps of, of clay where we, we mold them into what we want as parents. What we have to remember is that these children, who do they really belong to? They're, they're created and belong to God. God creates them. They grow up. They fulfill His purpose in life. We're lucky that God bestows upon us the privilege of raising up these kids. But the day will come, we have to send them off, and they become their own person. Children, like, like a bow, are designed by God with an individual bent. Now you might be saying, look, my kid's just bent. You know, I don't know what... I don't. All kids have a, a design. They all have a set of gifts, I believe, that God intends to be used for His purpose. I think as parents, it's our responsibility to recognize that direction, that bent, that the way that those kids are created, and to train our children according to that design so that they will fulfill and become what God has intended them to be, so that when they grow older, they'll become the person that God wants. They won't depart from the way that God created them to be. Let's see what we got here. Uh, another way to think about this is you know, raising a child according to the way God designed them. Do you know what your child's spiritual gift is? We talk about as Christians all the time, you know, God gives us spiritual gifts. What gifts do your children have? Some of them may be so young, I mean, it may not have been identified yet, but as we get older, we all have certain things that God gives us. Maybe in a less spiritual style, what's your kid's learning style? How do they learn best? What's their personality like? Are they shy? Are they bossy? Are they, you know, clumsy? Are they, you know, what, you know, whatever. God's created all of us to be different. And so what I want to look at today are just some different ideas about helping kids to develop themselves into that person that God has designed them to be. Now, none of this is groundbreaking or earth-shattering information. You've probably been told this a million times, but let's move ahead and see what we got. We want to train them up in the way that matches their individual bent. Train them up in the way that God created them to be, so that when they're older, they'll become everything. They won't be afraid to be who God intended them to be. One of the first things that we can do for our kids, it comes natural, I think it's a God-given thing, as we move ahead, is to, to love them. Now, here we go. What is love? And we talked about love, you know, last few weeks, and in the English language, we use love in so many different ways. You know, I love my wife, but I love hot rods too, man, and you know, hopefully they're, they're different. What we're talking about here is that form of love that perhaps you've heard the term agape love, which is a Greek word that, that means a love that's built around self-sacrifice, 
that, like we talked about with single mothers, giving their lives really to help to raise those kids. That's the kind of love that we're talking about. In the Bible, in John chapter 13, we won't go there and read it, but it's the story of Jesus in the, the foot washing scene, where he's going around and he wants to, he's going to demonstrate what love really is, and he goes to his disciples and he starts washing their feet. And they're like, what are you doing? Lord, don't wash my feet. I ought to be washing your feet. No, 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 no. Let me wash your feet. I want to show you what love is. Love is putting aside your stuff, prioritizing your schedule, focusing your attention, having patience with their imperfections. You might not want to wash your kids' feet, but I bet you do their laundry. I bet you do their, uh, when they were babies, you took care of them. That's not always a fun thing to do. Especially come diaper time and, and you know, all that fun stuff. And you hear them in the middle of the night, little pitter-patter is running through the house. Oh, great, here we go. Why don't you get this one? You know, here we go. That's always fun. My grandmother, uh, perhaps the poorest woman I ever knew, she always made sure that my uncle had uh, a clean uniform and played football. And if any of you guys have ever had a kid in sports, you'll get that uniform clean. They'll come home. It's wrecked again. You've got to clean it again. But she always made sure that his football jersey was washed. It was clean. It was set out. And he's like, I don't even know if I'm going to get in the game. I don't care. Let me make sure that this is taken care of for you. That's just a little tiny act of love, of selflessness that she gave to them. Parental love requires that kind of sacrifice. Now everybody would say, well, you're supposed to love your kids. You'd be amazed at how many kids aren't loved, don't feel loved by their parents. We get them in school, we get them in youth programs, we get them in and they're some of the neediest kids. Because that first fundamental basic thing about having a child, they just don't feel loved. Because nobody's ever sacrificed anything for them. In fact, in many cases, they've taken advantage of them. I've got 14, 15-year-old girls who have to... They're raising their brothers and sisters. They just have to do that. Like, you want to go out for track? <laughs> sure, I'd love to, but I don't have time. I have to take care of my brother and sister. I've got to basically be a parent to their little siblings. That's difficult. What else can we do for kids? We can respect them. Moving ahead, respect is, a, is something that's grounded in the recognition of the value, the, that God-given value that we have. We give it through patience, intentional communication. Do you respect your kids? Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying... You should never yell at your kids. Man, I let my kids, I lit my kids up. Seth told a story one time of his kids. No, I think it was you and your dad. Your dad was, he was going to spank you, and you were like a pendulum. He grabbed you by the arm and swung you through the... A lot of us took that ride when we were kids. I've been there. Respect is given through words of encouragement, correction responding 
or excuse me, responding instead of reacting to situations. One of the famous things I did where I totally blew it as a parent, um, Dustin had this car, this little car. We never had toys like this, but you can climb in this thing, use your feet, you pedal around, you know, you go, go, little tykes thing. It had a, even had a gas thing on the side of it where you put gas in there. And I'd always take the hose, we're going to fill her up. You know, we fill it up, and away we go. Well, one day I, I come outside, and I'm like, is that somebody's burning something? What the? And I go around there, and Dustin has a real gas can filling her up. Bloop, 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 bloop. We got gas all over the garage. He's covered in gas, and I'm just absolutely terrified that any second a spark and whoosh, you know, and... Man, I let him have it. I blasted him a good one. And, I, and probably the worst thing I could have done. I totally hurt his feelings. Away he went. He was mad at me. I was mad. And later I'm just like, I'm just, I was just, I'm sorry. I was just so scared. I was just so scared. You know, I didn't know how to respond to that. I need to respond rather than just reacting. A lot of times we just react to things. We need to be able to respond. Respect is something that kids need to feel. My parents respected me. They, they do today. One of the most valuable things I think we can teach our kids, young ladies, that you're valued, that your father loves you, that your family loves you, that you have value, that you have worth as a, as a young woman. And you don't need to find that worth through another person, another man, another whatever. You have that value. And for boys, it's the idea that we need to convey to them, yes, you've got what it takes to be a man. You've got the stuff. That's important that young men understand that, that as boys become men, that they have confidence and believe that, you know what, I can do this. I am a man. That's about respect, about giving your kid and teaching them to respect you and to respect each other and to respect themselves. Number three, boundaries. You can't have kids without boundaries. Boy, I found out what boundaries were growing up. But setting healthy boundaries are really important. I mean, think about the rules you set up in your house for your kids, or the rules that your parents had for you. What are the boundaries that are set up? We think of boundaries as being something negative. My parents aren't any fun, they won't let me do anything. Just the other night, there was, uh, it was after a football game. All the band kids were going to, I don't know, going to some party someplace. And uh, one of Kaylin's friends wanted to go, and, and her mom said, nope, you're not going. You got soccer in the morning, you got this going in the morning. And I thought, oh, great, here we go. We're going to have a show down here. And the kid said, okay. This was a kid that was used to having boundaries placed in, in her life. Other kids would throw a fit. They see boundaries as, ah, you're just trying to take away all my fun. How could you do this? Boundaries are set up to give kids freedom, not restriction. See, I think kids need a, an area that they know is well-defined, that they can operate within. These are the boundaries. This is how far I can go. Because within that boundary, 
They're free to learn, to try things, to do things without fear of getting hurt, without fear of going too far. They can learn to become the person that God intended them to be. Boundaries allow kids to develop an I- this identity that's separate from your, your parents. Hopefully, kids, you're, you're a little different than your parents. I don't want three Johns walking out of the house and, a, and another Neola. One, one John and one Neola is enough. We don't need... We want them to come out their way, the way God intended them to be. And hopefully, by setting boundaries... We've allowed them to to do that, to experiment in a safe place. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 19. I've got to get at least one verse in here, but we're going to look something up here. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 18. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 18. Discipline your son while there is hope. And do not desire his death. I'm like, what the? Basically, set up boundaries. Discipline your kids, but don't kill them. All right? We don't want you to totally break their spirit. Discipline them. Do not desire his death. Don't, you know, stupid kid. I like to let him have it. Imagine playing a, a game. My favorite game, football. What if there were no sidelines? No end zones. We're going to play football. It's kind of like our practice field, Jim. We don't, we don't know where we are. We don't have any lines. We're just in a big cow pasture. Kids are running around. They think they're in bound. Who knows? Well, a lot of kids go through life like that. They have no sidelines. They have no end zones. They're free to wander and go. and, and They have no clue if they're where they're supposed to be, if they're where they're... You know, they're going to be successful. Setting boundaries gives kids parameters within which to operate. Some of you don't have kids anymore. You probably got grandkids. I remember going to my great-grandmother's house. Man, she had boundaries. But we learned to respect them. We knew what was up, but we went to her house. Number four, something else we can do for kids to help them become the person that God intends for them to be is to offer them and model to them what grace and forgiveness really is. If you ask your kids, who's a model of grace and forgiveness? I don't know if your dads would be the first one to to pop up. I don't know. Grace and forgiveness is the glue that that keeps imperfections from destroying relationships. If we constantly are picking on people, oh, you screwed that up, and you didn't do that. Your relationship can suffer. Grace and forgiveness involves being able to let things go, teaching people that, you know, sometimes it's best to just let it go. It's not worth it. It's seen through I'm sorry, learning from mistakes, being realistic about their growth, understanding that we're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes. It requires listening with the goal of, of understanding, of trying to make a connection 
with your kid. Luke chapter 17, verses 3, for four, uh, three to 4. Be on your guard if your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times a day and returns to you seven times saying, I repent, forgive him. The model of forgiveness. Now, it doesn't say that you just let them do whatever they want. Look, if they sin, rebuke them. Let them know. You're screwing up. That's a model of grace and forgiveness. As parents, we need to point out to our kids, look, that's not right. It's funny, as I've been doing this here the last four or five months, uh, I keep pulling off all these old stories of mine. I'm going to run out of stories one of these days. You know, I just got to have more kids. <laughs> you know, a whole new set of stories, part two. You know. Well, when I was little, I had a fascination with fire. That's not a good thing. Okay, when you're a kid, you're ooh, fire. And uh, I was at my grandparents' house, and they were smokers, and it was just like, oh yeah, lighters, the old Bic lighter. You know what I'm talking about? Well, I was going, I got one off the table and I was running around, went back into the old bedroom, and it, was, it had become like a storage room, and there was just stuff all over the place. And I'm under the bed, flicking the, the, the Bic lighter. Yes. Yes. Well, this bed I'm under is probably 50 years old. The box springs are ancient. There's spider webs down there, and I'm like, yes. And the spider web caught on fire, and the web would go whoosh. I'm like, yeah, oh, that's so cool. You know, I'm like, oh, geez, I probably wasn't more than four years old, four or five, sorry. So, I, so I'm, I'm under there, flick the thing, and all of a sudden the netting on the, uh, the box spring just goes whoosh. And I'm like, what's going on? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I just got the bed on fire. And I, could, I remember jumping up and jumping on the bed and jumping on the bed. I'm going to put the fire. I look back under the bed, and there's still fire. So I got out, jumped on the bed again, and ran out into the hallway and went, <sighs> I'm trying to yell help, but nothing would come out. I was so scared. My mom says the next thing that happened, I ran through the kitchen going, the bed's on fire in the back room, you got to go put it out, right out the door. And she's like, what? What is going on? And they ran back there, and apparently my mom, with the strength of Hercules, grabbed the bed and flipped it over, like, you know how you get really strong when you're really scared? Well, she flips the bed over and puts the fire out. I'm standing in the kitchen there. I come back in, and my grandma's like, how did that happen? I said, I, I don't know. <laughs> I just saw smoke. And I, I ran through. I thought I'd tell you. you know. And grandma's like, I can't. What, what is going on? You didn't do it, did you? I'd never do a thing like that. And then I ran out, and probably one of the first real earnest prayers I ever had with God. I ran out behind the barn and was like, oh, dear God, please, you, you got to get me out of this. You know, I believe, I believe, you know. <laughs> well, we go to town. The whole time, they know what happened. My mom's, we're riding home, and she's like, oh, lucky thing we didn't burn down Grandma's house. I'm like, wow, <laughs> you know, that was horrible. Yeah, you know, and I forget what she said, and then I, I admitted I did it. I was like, I did it. And she goes, well, you know what we're going to have to do when we get home? You're going to have to go over there and apologize. And I'm like, no, no, 
Because you've got to understand, I love my grandmother more than anything in the world. She meant everything to me. So we get home, and we march over there, and they walk in, and they're sitting at the table, and they're eating their dinner, and they both turn and look at me, and Mom goes, he has something he needs to say. And I'm like, I just blurted it out. I started the fire! And I just cried, and I remember my grandma got up and grabbed me, and she hugged me, and she goes, oh, I love you just the same. I needed, probably put over somebody's knee and let, let, let me have it. But at that moment, she offered me the kind of grace that you need, the kind of grace that I needed, the, the demonstration of what real grace is. It's about understanding and making a connection, building trust, showing me what forgiveness really was. And as I got older in life, there were times I had to offer forgiveness to people that had upset me. And I thought back to that time as a young man where my grandmother offered to me forgiveness. Grace and forgiveness. Important to, to extend to your kid. When's the last time you told your kid you're sorry? If you legitimately screwed up. And it's your fault. Sorry, kid. Dad messed that one up. That doesn't make us weak. It demonstrates to our kids that grace and forgiveness are necessary to become the people that God desires for us to be. Let's move ahead. Uh-oh, big words. Adaptability. Now, all these things before this are, oh, yeah, you're supposed to love your people and teach them to be good and all the Christian things you do, but there's more to it than just love and respect and teaching them right from wrong and Adaptability requires a certain flexibility, being creative, being able to let things go, being able to roll with it when things get out of hand. I think kids have to learn how to roll with it. The Bible is full of promises that things aren't always going to work out the way that we expect them to. Proverbs 27.1, do not boast about tomorrow, for you don't, do not know what a day may bring forth. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I need to be able to deal with it. That's about adaptability. Have you trained your kids, your grandkids, the youth of the church, how to deal with things when they don't work out the way you want them to? Nothing's guaranteed in life. Think about the life of Joseph. Sold into slavery by his own brothers. I mean, he was just being honest. You know, hey, I had a dream. I'm supposed to be you know, the king of you guys. Are like, what? Get rid of him. Off he goes, sold into slavery. Joseph had to learn how to roll with it. He went with it. Eventually to the point where he became the head of Pharaoh's house. Even that got screwed up. And he still went with it. You forget the story, go back and read it. It's in Genesis. It's good stuff. We can all do the right things, but not get what we deserve. That's probably the toughest lesson I had to learn growing up. It's one that I've tried to prepare my kids for. You can do everything right and not get what you think you deserve. That's the way life is. 
But I raised them to be good Christians, and I raised them this, and, and God, I gave you that, and the kids got straight A's, and oh, they didn't get into the school they wanted to. That's life. That's the way it works. That's a harsh statement, but it's true. I hate Michigan football, and I don't like their coach, really. But he said something a year or two ago that was just fantastic. And I've, you know, I've thought about it ever since. They got beat in a game where they just clobbered the other team. And they were asking him, how do you feel, Coach Harbaugh? You, your team went out there and you played and you did great. And, man, you guys got beat at the end. How about that? And he goes, well, you know what? Sometimes you go out there and you can do all the right things. You can fight and fight and fight. And at the end of the day, you lose. Guess what? That's football. And I'm like, that's life. That's what we need our kids to know. You can do all the right things and things won't happen sometimes. Are you prepared to deal with it? To deal with what's, what could happen? Finally, last thing here before we go out and get our rumble seat going here. Intentionality. Another $10 word. As a teacher, I'm always rolling out new vocabulary. Intentionality is basically it's, it's an expression of the desire for someone to, to grow. Are you intentionally preparing your kids to grow? Are you intentionally preparing your grandkids to help them grow and to go forth to find their purpose in life? Are we as a church doing anything to intentionally train our kids to be prepared to live in a world that does not value God, where they're teased and made fun of for believing in God? We have to help them, intent, we have to intentionally teach them and to help them grow as people. Help them prepare for the future. Proverbs 6. Oh, where are you, Proverbs? Come back here. Uh, 6, 6 through 11. Okay, yeah, you've heard this story. Go to the ant, O sluggard, observe her ways and be wise, which having no chief officer or ruler, prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. How long will you lie down, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Your poverty will come in like a vagabond and your need like an armed man. Have your kids found their purpose in life? What is it you want to be? What are you going to become? We know that in... Uh, Psychology, probably the greatest transitional stage that we all have gone through and our kids are going through, or will be going through, is that stage where we jump from really teenagers to adulthood, where we make that jump, where we have to be able to ask that question, who am I? Kids that can answer that question, they'll jump right into adulthood, man, and they'll go. But we have a lot of kids, when they leave high school, they don't have a clue. What do you want to do? Who are you going to be? I don't know. Can't I go back to high school? No. <laughs> Lover, I mean, 
The suddenness of graduation. I always, at graduation, kids will graduate and they'll walk out of the, out of the uh, gym and they'll walk out there like, that's it, we're done. Oh crap, <laughs> what do I do now? I don't know. You know. I think as parents, if we raise our kids with the idea of preparing them for the next phase of life, intentionally working with them to get ready for the next thing. That requires a lot of energy, a lot of focus, a lot of guidance, a lot of investment in your kids. But like any good investment, you'll reap the dividends down the road. All of you love your children. Sometimes at school, we'll have conferences or I'll talk to people, talk to parents, and I have to wonder, I could never ask them this, but I'm thinking, do you love your kid? Do you care about your own kid? Because they're about to enter into adulthood and they are not prepared. You can blame the school if you want to. You can blame the church. They didn't do enough to help my kid. But God entrusted the growth of that child to you. Do you love your kids? Do you care about them? The reason I called single moms a few weeks ago Wonder Woman is, isn't because of the fact they can run here and run there and somehow find it in them to keep going. It's the fact that they give up their own life for the, their kid. I got hopes, I got dreams, I got things I want to... I'm going to raise my kid so that they can be everything that God intended for them to be. That's what love is. That's respect. That's showing grace. Helping a kid to become adaptable. Preparing them for the future. That's agape love. We as a church should love our kids. Today we're having a nice uh, fundraiser. Don't lose the fact that, you know, as we look at the cars and there's some fantastic stuff out there, all the money of this is going to the kids. Not so that they can have fun things to do all the time, but so that we can invest in them as a church to train them up in the way that they will go, so that as they go older, they'll not depart from it. Let's as a church take time to understand our kids, to understand your kids. What is it that God has created them to be? What is their bent? And what can we do to help them to become the child that God intends them to become? If our worship team would, would come forward, we'll go ahead and celebrate some more. Thank you guys. We're so blessed, our worship team.